Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal, to horrifying history, to tense and terrible true crime, and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda, and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Today we have an interesting tie for all of our stories. It's 11-11, and we've been to a lot of spooky places together. It is my and my husband Ben's wedding anniversary, and this is the tie that we're going to have for the various different places that we're talking about today. Adorable. And in case you were wondering, is 11-11 on purpose? Yes, it is. Early on, not early on, we were dating. It was an appropriate amount of time. That's good. Where he said the word 11, and I thought he said, I love you. And I was like, what did you say? And actually, like, looking back, I think he actually may have said, I love you. And I was like, what? And kind of like, (laughs) eyes bugged a little bit. And he's like, 11. (laughs) And when I wasn't ready to say, I love you, but I was like, kind of getting there, like, sometimes I would say 11. And so 11-11 also happened to fall on like a day of the week that we wanted to get married because we did a brunch and so it all worked out very well so 11 11 that's too cute i love you i love you (laughs) so with that let's get started we're gonna we're gonna like jump into a few different places and then we'll talk about some places we're just gonna talk about spooky stuff other stuff we'll go into a little bit more in depth but the first place that we're gonna talk about is alexandria virginia so when ben and i have been like talking dating for a little bit when we finally decided to be official I was in Baltimore doing an externship and he was living in Jacksonville and I had went to see one of our mutual friends who lived in DC. It's a whole story, but she was not living in her apartment. So I showed up and she was like, we're going to be staying in Virginia. And I was like, okay, what's happening? <laughs> so we're in Virginia at a like a holiday inn or something. And Ben surprised both of us because we we're both friends with her and drove up like 14 hours to visit. And so this was like the first time that I had seen him since we were like official. And so it was very cute. But after we had finished visiting with our friend, we had stayed in a hotel in the downtown Alexandria. Any place that has cute restaurants and little shops, and if it's old, bonus. I want to be there all the time. Love it. Perfect. Yes. And so we actually ended up visiting this area like on our anniversary for a few years because it was July 1st was our dating anniversary. I was like, this is the day. (laughs) I was like, we cannot forget. And then it's near 4th of July. It was very easy. In my head, I was like, this will be a good anniversary. Like near another holiday you always get a long weekend too yeah yeah that was that was my thinking smart we weren't that smart (laughs) i was really purposeful here but one of the things that we would do when we would go there is we would go on ghost tours because anytime i visit anywhere i want to go on a ghost tour and i know amanda feels that so thoroughly in her soul yeah that's partially why i go anywhere yeah yeah can i go on a ghost tour (laughs) yeah and so (laughs) there was one time we were there and this is actually one of my favorite ghost tours that i've ever been on is they were wearing period clothing and they were carrying like a fan and when um whenever they would get to like the ending part of the story they would flick the fan open or like flick it closed and then like saunter off it was very dramatic and i loved it it was very funny but so this story of all the ghost stories that i've ever been on this one really stuck out to me because i have not found anything to suggest that this is an actual thing <laughs> so the fact that they were like and this happened here is wild to me because i can't find any truth behind this story on the internet mm, okay. so but i'm gonna tell it to you how i best remember 
And there are bits and pieces of it on like the ghost tours website, but not all of it. So I'll tell you when I'm really going from memory. (laughs) But so you remember me as an unofficial ice scientist when I was talking about like, we used to not have ice just that would just appear, right? And we would make it our house. It used to come from someplace. But we need to start the story with how Alexandria was getting their ice and where their ice came from and kind of some stuff about the ice. (laughs) So they would harvest their ice from the Potomac River and then it would be stored either in an underground well or in a facility called an ice house. And one of those ice houses was called the Old Town Ice House. But it didn't just store ice. During this time period, I'm thinking, I don't remember the exact dates, but I'm thinking we're looking at like early 1900s. Okay. Okay. Summer months in Virginia, it gets relatively warm, kind of humid. And there wasn't really embalming practices to slow the decay of bodies. Wonderful. So what they would do is they would put people in ice houses so that their bodies would stay cool so they wouldn't deteriorate as fast. However, that meant that the ice was then basically like touching a human body and then they would throw it away, right? Like that's what you would think? Yeah. No. Oh, no. No. <laughs> uh, so legend says per this, right? was that the same ice that was being used to keep dead people cool so they wouldn't deteriorate was also being used in restaurants and bars. And with that, that would mean that there was sometimes blood or other bodily fluids in the ice. I can't. I know. I can't understand, like, how that would occur. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I want proof of this one. Yeah, I remember this story, and it sounds like such, like, urban legend that it's kind of fantastic, right, in that way. And I was like looking for, I was like embalming ice restaurants, like trying to find like how I would find history of this. And I couldn't find anything that would suggest this was actually true. I'm very happy that when you searched embalming ice restaurants, that that wasn't a thing. Oh, absolutely. Right. Like there's times when you don't want search results. And I was like, (laughs) okay, great. That's great. Yeah. But okay. So, and this is where I'm like, I'm really going off of memory in this story. Because online they have, they just kind of like talk about like, hmm, bodily fluids and ice. So there is a man who goes to an ice house to identify a relative. Her name is Mary. And her remains are being stored there, again, because no embalming practices at that point, from what I know. And it is the person Mary he knows, but he notices that she's missing a finger. And that like, she had that finger last he saw her. So after he identifies her, he leaves and understandably is upset, goes to a nearby bar to get a drink. So we're thinking restaurant near the ice house. Mm -hmm. So he takes, so he gets his drink. He's sitting at the bar, takes a sip. That part's really important. And he looks down at his drink and he sees a finger in his drink. Uh And so not only is it a finger, but it appears to be the missing finger of Mary, the woman who he had seen. And I want to think I remember it being his sister. And so he exclaims, Bloody Mary. And that's where the inspiration for the drink comes from. I can find nothing that corroborates the story. And uh, I love a good spooky story, but I I don't think this is where the inspiration for Bloody Mary came from. From what I understand, people think that it actually originated in either Paris in the 1920s or in New York in the 1930s. Huh. Well, either way, that that's interesting and terrifying and horrible. Yeah. Also, do you like Bloody Mary's, the drink? Okay, so I only like Bloody Marys when I am on an airplane. I do not understand. I don't understand why. It's the only time I like it. Other times I'll order one and then I'll realize that the reason that I've ordered it was because I was hungry and I was waiting for our food to arrive and I needed a snack. 
because it always comes like pickles and olives, sometimes bacon. So I'm just like, I wanted a snack, not like, and I knew this would come first. And I don't realize that's why I'm ordering it. And I'll get one sip down. And I'm like, Meh. I do think that if I were to try it today, because this was like when I was in my 20s, I think I would probably like it. Maybe I need to order one again. Or maybe I'm just hungry and I want a snack. I don't know. <laughs> do you like them? I can't imagine you do. Absolutely not. Yeah, I was like, there's no way. Nothing about that is anything that I would want or enjoy or even want near me. You don't want a cool, a cool, thin, alcoholic tomato soup? No, <laughs> I don't. When you were talking about the garnishes, I was like, wouldn't need it, wouldn't need it, wouldn't need it, wouldn't go near it. Can't even smell it. Oh, yeah. But anywho, let's talk about more spooky stuff. So the next place we're going to talk about is the Belvedere Hotel. And Ben has so many friends who live in places other than Maryland. Like all of the people who were coming to see Ben that, that I didn't know very well were basically coming from out of state. And so we wanted to do something where we got to see all these people, right, other than the wedding, because weddings are weddings. and You don't get to always socialize with people a lot. Yeah. So the night before, we did a ghost tour with anybody from out of town who wanted to go. That sounds so fun. It was fun. It was fun. Some people brought um, some cocktails in coffee cups, which was very funny. So we were like drinking <laughs> as we walked around. Love it. That's my type of ghost tour. It was it was nice. And it was like it was fun to do a ghost tour filled with people who, you know, Yeah. like a fun time. I would 10 out of 10 do that again. I really liked researching these, though, because I haven't been to any of these. So like all the ones in Arizona, someone named something. I'm like, let me tell you 30 thousand things about that ghost there but these ones i'm like this is new to me now i want to go one of the things that i always forget i don't always forget but i often forget is that in terms of like a lot of like the history of haunted places the physical buildings in baltimore are often going to be older than those in arizona yeah so i feel like you're gonna get here and be like there's so many old buildings there's ghosts everywhere and you're gonna be so excited at the sheer like density of places that could be haunted <laughs> oh my gosh i'm so excited and like i saw a meme this week and i loved it and then it also stressed me out but it said like when you get dressed in the morning remember that if you die that's your ghost outfit i do think about that oh my gosh and then i was like all we have are like not all but the majority of our hauntings are like you know old mining towns and cowboy towns things like that mm -hmm. I'm like they're all like cowboys but like you guys get fancier ghosts we do get fancy ghosts. Outfits. We do get better outfitted ghosts. Yeah. We do. You're right. You're absolutely right. But then like when I was getting dressed, I was like, oh man, if I died today, like this could be a really stupid looking ghost. But you know what though? So long as you work out your shit really quickly, you're good. You don't have to stay in whatever, <laughs> like a <laughs> goblin outfit. That's what I call myself when I like, I'm just existing without like, primping is like it's like my goblin mode because look right now i have eyebrows but only because they're tinted otherwise i don't have eyebrows and my face just looks very bizarre without them it's a weird thing for me when i see myself without eyebrows i'm like this isn't the version of who i am that i like so i sometimes i draw my eyebrows on because i'm like if i died and didn't have eyebrows i'd be so upset <laughs> like so upset i don't think i've ever noticed a ghost eyebrows you would if they didn't have them you'd be like what are they thinking what are they feeling i can't tell they've got no fucking eyebrows this is a friendly ghost is it a not friendly ghost i can't tell they don't have fucking eyebrows but also that's why one of the reasons many reasons why i'm in therapy is because i want to work at my shit during my life so i'm not haunting anyone because i cannot haunt without eyebrows or i'll be like doing the eyebrows in the mirror scaring some somebody <laughs> that's what a mirrored ghost is it's just they're, yeah, they're just trying to do their eyebrows. They're like, enough. 
stop screaming. I've got to do this. I need a little rouge. <laughs> but anyway, we're talking about the Belvedere. <laughs> okay. It opened on December 14th of 1903, and it's the Mount Vernon area of Baltimore City. Some describe it as castle-esque. Also to point out, Mount Vernon is the neighborhood. in case you were wondering. Oh, okay. Okay. See, like, when I go out there, I'm going to be like, what's this neighborhood? What's this? Because I don't know anything. While I was researching some of these, and it was like, oh, it's in this, or it's near this neighborhood. And I'm like, cool, that's great. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but now you'll be like, oh, that's where a whole bunch of people have stayed, lived, died, sometimes haunted. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's what you need to know when you're visiting an area. Of course, of course. So in the early 1900s, the opening of the hotel was very exciting for the area, like big time exciting. What I think is interesting is when we were researching this, the way they described the level of excitement or like, woo, was it's akin to like today if a professional sports team was like moving or starting in an area, like that's how excited people would be, which that blows my mind because now we're like, okay, another hotel, whatever. But then where they were like, fuck, yeah, like, let's do it. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in the hotel's existence, there have been more than 18 owners, which seems, I guess, like a lot for what's well, been like like 120 years. That, I mean, that still feels like a lot of owners in, in that period of time. I think so, right? Yeah. There have been many famous people and politicians that have stayed there, including people like Clark Gable, Oscar Hammerstein, Cecil B. DeMille, the Duke and Duchess of Winchester, Groucho Marx, F. Scott and Zelda Fitzgerald, Fred Astaire, Al Pacino, Ginger Rogers, Queen Marie of Romania, multiple U.S. presidents, Sherry Lewis, and Lamb Chop. Big deal. I mean, like, look, Lamb Chop, like creme de la creme. <laughs> Biggest deal out of all of those, Lamb Chop. Also, this, again, not related, but there is a drag performer that used to perform in like Maryland, I think DC maybe too. Their name was Wolfgang and they had a lamb chop puppet that would perform with them during their act. It was fascinating. I love that. Did you ever watch the show? Oh yeah, this is a song that never ends. Okay. Okay. Good. I look, I was the youngest child. I know how to annoy with that song. <laughs> Perfect. So there even was a period of time where the hotel was abandoned and many of the rooms have been converted into condos in 1991. So kind of what happens to a lot of old hotels nowadays. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the deaths that happened there. In 1909, Thomas Sutton Jr. was only 17 years old. He checked in after having an argument with his father. His father thought he was keeping, quote unquote, bad company. Sutton inhaled chloroform. So interestingly, though, we're not sure if he was trying to kill himself or if he was actually just trying to use it as like a drug, because there were a few articles that suggested people were using it recreationally, which, okay, interesting. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that during that time period, it wasn't called chloroform, like they would, they were describing it as ether. Yeah. Because I've seen it in like a few different period dramas, like it's in um, Highlander. Oh, okay. After Claire's like going through like a hard time, she's like, me and this ether just need a moment. Mm. That's still sad. Yeah. So another one happened in June of 1917, and it was the death of Lawrence Perrin. And while cleaning, a maid noticed blood spilling out from underneath a door. Terrifying. Just already horror movie-esque, right? Yeah. I don't know why, but it makes me think of The Shining. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. The hotel staff entered the room, and they found Lawrence Perrin's body. He had a gun by his side, and he had written letters to his mother and wife citing, quote, mental depression. 
terribly sad. That's very sad. In 1918, Carlisle P. Webster strangled his wife, Bernice Cheney Webster, and then he wrote a suicide note. His suicide note said, I have known the girl I married for nearly two years, and I could not believe certain things. I have loved her so much, so it is better that we both die together. Carlisle swallowed poison, but the police found him before he died. So he intended on dying, but didn't. Between the 1920s and the 1930s, a woman shot her husband when she caught him dancing in one of the hotel's ballrooms. Apparently, his ghost still haunts the hotel on the 12th floor, but it only bothers women. Disrespectful. (laughs) Right? Per Joe Otterbin, who worked at the hotel in the late 1980s, the women he worked with never wanted to work up there by themselves because he would bother them. The last thing you want is like a fucking creeper ghost. Right? So this past weekend, Ben and I attended a festival for a small business we have, and we were loading the van at the end of one night, and there was a guy standing in his doorway. And as women would walk by who he thought were attractive, he would lick his lips like very loudly. And he was like an older gentleman. And he was wearing like like old timey boxers. Do you know what I mean? And like a stained T-shirt, like staring in his doorway. And I was just like, this is the most cringy thing I've ever seen. And I've never looked at someone and found them so attractive that I've licked my lips. Yeah. But the idea of like standing there and doing it over and over again, it was extra like, oh, please, please stop this. Oh, my gosh. That's weird. I know. It was really weird. So going back to uh, hotel ghosts, I wanted to say, too, because this guy was like bothering, you know, people as a ghost. I stayed in a hotel in Prescott, Arizona, a couple months back. And of course, you know, an old hotel. I was like, tell me about the ghosts. And one of the women working was like, we have one and we love her. And I guess a couple nights before I stayed there, she's like, we had like a couple that was staying in the hotel and they were arguing quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And it was annoying. Like we were getting calls like, hey, our neighbors are too loud, blah, 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 blah. We went and gave them a warning. She's like, it was awful. Oof. But in the middle of the night, they checked out very quickly, randomly. And we're like, oh, maybe they're fight. Like they're just done. And I guess the guy had said that there was a woman in his room. And I guess it was their ghost. And she did not like that they were messing with hotel guests by being too loud. And (laughs) freaked them out so bad until they left. She was like, you're going to need to get the fuck out. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) They're like, yeah, she helps us out. And so, like, it's the difference between, like, a ghost that wants to annoy people and then there's a helpful ghost. Okay, but I will say that that ghost also really needs to work on their people-pleasing tendencies if, like, in the afterlife, they're working for free. (laughs) I do want to point that out. I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that. Maybe she's bored. Maybe she should take that time to journal, reflect, do what she needs to do to move on. But in this story, I was hoping that, like, she perhaps scared one of them who was being rude to the other one. (laughs) Like, she picked a side. I wanted her to pick a side and be like, you know, I was here for this. And as, like, a third person in the room, I can tell you that you were wrong. (laughs) You know what? Maybe she can, uh, that could be her personal business is like. Oh, she's a couples counselor. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine like you are the staff of a hotel? A couple walks in who's like kind of clearly in a spat, but they're like not fighting in that moment. And you're like, you need the couple counselors room in their head. You know what I mean? They like book them into room like 442. And then they're like the next morning, everything's all worked out. (laughs) Everything's great. 
What a dream. Please pay at the desk. I would watch that movie. I would also watch that television show if it was like a series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, I didn't realize I didn't say the name. Uh, that was the Hacienda Inn, by the way. Oh, oh, okay. So moving back to the Belvedere and the deaths that occurred there. In 1921, Harry C. Hassett, who was the president of a brokerage firm in Ohio, shot himself. And in his suicide note, he said that he was, quote, crazy as a bed bug. And what's really sad about this story is that someone had called police and said that one of the guests had planned to take their own life. But when they got there, it had been too late. And when they found him, he had a gun in each hand. Oh, wow. Yeah. In 1929, William Harvey King Jr. was staying on the 10th floor, but he was found on the roof of the second floor sun parlor and investigators were unsure whether he had jumped or fell. Also in 1929, Lee Miltz Marlowe, a Yale student, fell from the eighth floor to the street. In May of 1936, two women had their legs caught between an overloaded elevator ledge and the shaft and the other people were super freaked out. So they tried to run out of the elevator. And when they did that, they trampled the two girls, which is horrific. In 1973, while the hotel was abandoned, Sam Shapiro was killed in the Belvedere lobby. One of his former employees, Doug Airy, had murdered him. Airy took his corpse to Pennsylvania and rolled him down a hill. But he had forgotten a shovel. And after going to get one, he couldn't remember where he had disposed of Shapiro. Oh, wow. Right? And so I think one of the most notable deaths is that of Ray Rivera in 2006. He was found in a conference room that had been abandoned that May, but he had disappeared eight days earlier. The Baltimore Police Department had ruled his death a suicide, but the medical examiner said Rivera's death was never explained. And his wife, Allison, didn't think it was suicide. And I didn't know about this until I watched one of the Unsolved Mysteries episodes because they actually have one about his death. I think it's one of the first episodes of the reboot. Oh, wow. Mm Mm-hmm. That's interesting and sad. Yeah, and very sad. So let's talk about some of the hauntings of the Belvedere. BelleIsleCraftSpirits.com has an article on the Belvedere, and they asked employees about their experiences, which I love because with hotels, you know, like people that stay there a night or two sometimes aren't going to see anything, but people that go every single day are going to see a lot more or they befriend the ghosts. Yeah, well, also like they're more likely to be in all of the places that the space has to offer and be able to like say, It's really weird that every time I go up to this room at this time of day, there's a cold spot, right? Yeah, yeah. Versus like, oh, that room is, you know, that just happens to be a place where the heat doesn't go. So they could, you know, chalk that off versus like, no, this is a room that's really hot normally. So the fact that it's cold is very weird. (laughs) Right, right. So the first person they talked to was Valerie and she was a hotel employee. And she said, I've held many positions here at the Belvedere for the past 21 years. So she has many stories to tell. I was in the grand ballroom on the 12th floor getting set up for an event when I experienced the ballroom coming alive like it was in the movie The Shining. Don't like that. Wouldn't want to be there. No, no, no. But also, what an incredible experience, too, right? Yeah, that's true. I could hear people starting to talk and I could hear ice clinking in the glasses as if drinks were being made. Then music started playing. But unlike the movie, I couldn't see any of it. I could only hear it. I don't like when I hear things that I cannot see, though. That is probably one of like the most stressful things when you're staying somewhere at a haunted hotel is when you start hearing things and then you're second guessing yourself because you're like, am I actually hearing this? Am I making it up? Am I too invested in this? What's going on? Yes. No, agreed. Well, because then you're like, okay, maybe I was thinking of something and I thought I heard something. Exactly. I feel like, quote unquote, auditory hallucinations are the most terrifying of them because you're like it's so easy to dismiss it 
And I see hallucinations just as like a catch-all. Right, right. One of my last big experiences was about two years ago when I was working on the 13th floor. I had gone down to the 12th floor to clean up and lock up, and I got off the elevator and heard the sound of women's high heel shoes walking on the hard floor. For some reason, I got a bad vibe from whoever spirit it was, and I told others about it the next day. She said, quote, we usually have nice ghosts here, but the one last night, I don't think she was. So that night, I was cleaning and locking up the 12th floor again. Before I came down, I texted my husband to ask what he wanted for dinner. So just before I was about to lock the doors, I checked my phone to see if my husband had texted me back. When I opened my phone, the letters were being pressed and a message came across my phone saying, I am a beautiful person. Mm -mm. I feel like my phone would be on the ground. I would be gone. <laughs> I My phone wouldn't be on the ground. My phone would be across the room. <laughs> like involuntarily would have just been like uh, yeet, as the kids say. <laughs> just it would be just so far away from me. Yeah. And it sounds like it said it three times. I am a beautiful person three times. Yes. Chills. Chills. Yeah. It's just like, okay. She angered the ghost. The ghost seems like they were a little offended that she didn't think that they were nice. Or they were uh, terrifying. I'm a beautiful person. I'm a beautiful person. I'm a beautiful person. Like, it sounds frantic in my head, right? Oh, maybe. To me. I don't know. That's how I, I, I Im imagine this story. Yeah, it's hard to interpret text messages, right? But like... Well, you don't ascribe meaning to every text message? I try not to, <laughs> because I'm probably always wrong. Always. <laughs> All of us are always wrong. Yes. But if there's a period in it, you know that person's pissed. Right, right. Without happy faces and exclamation points. Yeah. <laughs> like, I try not to be that person, but I'm like, okay, if, if the last six messages you sent me were very, like, no punctuation, very chill, and then you sent me a perfectly formulated message... Something is up. It's it's still up to you to, to to like use your voice and say like I am upset about X Y Z. I don't. I mean, not you specifically, just like the world. I but like, I am very all over the place. My texts. <laughs> who am I? The same. Anywho. So let's talk about another person from the hotel that worked at the Owl Bar inside, and it was Jackie, the general manager of the bar. And they recount hearing a horrific slam and a tremendously bright light being seen. She, at the time, thought someone had fell. So she was checking the floor and the person she was working with didn't see anything. When they checked the security footage, they didn't see anything weird other than her, you know, crawling on the floor looking for someone. And they don't know what it actually was. I feel like what the common thread with a lot of these is that it is like one person experiencing something by themselves that seems so intense that it doesn't seem real, right? Like, like it's such like an intense type of like interaction. Mm -hmm. Right. So the next place that we're, it's just the quickest of stories. It's a B&B &B in St. Augustine called Pirate House or Haas, it's spelled H-A-U-S, but it's in the middle of St. Augustine, which is, again, a fun little city and lots of restaurants and little shores. Uh, there's a lot of historical stuff in the area, too, which is it's just a, a neat place to visit if you haven't been there. And when Ben and I lived in Jacksonville, we used to spend a lot of time there. And that's actually where Ben and I met. We met in law school. In our school bookstore, he brought up Lisa Frank. It was very cute because he looked at me and was like, she's a girl who likes Lisa Frank. So I was like, <laughs> that was a 10 out of 10 good read, like immediately. 
But so we're at this Airbnb. I keep saying Airbnb, but it's just a B&B. I'm just so used to saying Airbnb, but it was a normal bed and breakfast. And the inside of the building, like the inside of each room was like had beautiful murals all over the wall. So it's like a really fun place to stay. But we experienced some spooky stuff while we were there. Like there were cold spots in the room. I remember seeing a couple of orbs. And there was this general feeling that we both had that there was someone else in the room. I don't know how to describe it. I hate that feeling. But like that exact feeling when you're like, there's someone else in here. Mm -hmm. And I also kept having like, you ever like angry and you don't know why? Mm -hmm. Right. Like I felt like really angry, but I wasn't angry. Interesting. And it would be like a sudden flash. And it was very bizarre. And I was like, that's strange. And so I was like, can we just go for a walk? And the second I stepped outside, it stopped happening. And I was like, when we were talking, I was typing up the outline. I was like, I don't know how to write this. But the next morning when we woke up, I had weird scratches in several places on my body. And they all were like three little scratches. And there wasn't like a reason for like anywhere where they were. Like there wasn't like I could have scratched myself. And just you? And just me. Ooh. And Ben didn't feel that like weird flashes of anger kind of thing that I was feeling. It was very bizarre. And I was like, I don't always want to be in a haunted place because sometimes you just want to be like relaxed. But like when you're like sleeping somewhere. But I was like a little bit uncomfortable by it because I wasn't expecting it. Like going back, I think I would be fine because I was aware that like this was a thing. Yeah. But it was like a fun little little getaway overall because it was like close to where we lived anyway. But we looked on TripAdvisor to see if other guests had experienced anything. And lots of people had posted their experiences with the ghosts there. And it ended up being particularly in the room that we were in and the room that was next to us. Ooh, that feels good to be validated. It is. It is. <laughs> I vaguely remember um, stories about seeing a little girl wandering around. And then they would later find out that, that there wasn't a little girl <laughs> that was staying there at that time. Ooh. Because it would feel like in the hallway or like walking into the bathroom or into another room, but there was no little girl at that time. And I went to pull the reviews on TripAdvisor, but since they're closed right now, we can't see them. And it says they're closed until 2023. And I hope that they reopen because it was a really cute little space that was like independently owned. And it was just like a really fun time. And if you were like, oh, I want to visit St. Augustine, but I don't necessarily want to stay at like the most ritziest of places. I just want a place to like lay my head and it's like cute, nice, clean, safe. It was a cool place to be. But I'm, I'm sad that they aren't open. St. Augustine is one of the oldest cities in America. So I didn't delve into the particular history of this building because I feel like we could probably do a future episode just on that whole area. Yeah. It's such a cool place to be. If you were ever going to visit Florida, that is one of the places I would suggest to go to because it is so much fun. There was a <laughs> it was a cigar and jazz bar that was my like one of my favorite bars that I've ever like frequented. It's called Stogie's and it was always just 10 out of 10. Very lovely. And my friend Christy was like, oh my gosh, I got this picture of a ghost from there. And she would show everybody this picture and it looked very much like she had caught an apparition. And later on, we had found out that she had somebody had taken a picture of her and it had just like the camera had glitched Aww. and it made her look like an apparition. But I mean, I believed her for a second because the picture was just like so spot on of like what you would imagine an apparition would look like. Yeah. Like it was like kind of translucent. It was, I don't know how they did this with the film, but I was like, oh. But it's such a fun place to be. I am obsessed with looking at spirit photography and like what people have got. But I, I don't believe any of them because I'm like, oh, you know, how easily can people edit and manipulate photos nowadays? Especially now. Yeah. But like I've taken one at the Whaley house and I cannot like I don't know how it happened or what happened. I had my camera on a tripod, had it on burst mode. It's in the middle photo. I don't know how. So like, yeah, I saw someone do it, maybe. <laughs> 
but I do love them. I'm obsessed. So if you have any spirit photos, send them to us, please. Yeah, we also always want to send. Also, if you've been to any of these places, you have other stories, you want to hear them, as always. Yes. So our last place that we're going to talk about tonight is where Ben and I got married. It's our fourth wedding anniversary, by the way. And the vibe of like the place where we got married, it was um, it's kind of like an industrial looking ballroom is how I would best describe the space and yeah the pictures are so cute thanks that album on my facebook is public uh (laughs) so i was like everyone should look at these wedding photos but i surprised ben with the theme of our wedding because we had talked like long before that about like for us the proposal would be like his love letter to me and then like my response would be like the wedding itself and it was very much something that i wanted to do was i wanted to surprise him and he was all for it and so he proposed at a john waters show and like got john waters involved which was really cool and um, the, so the theme was our story and each table was a chapter in our story. And it was like named after like different parts of our life, like our animals or places we've been or places that things that we both liked. And so I made like little recordings of each table and being like, so the first chapter is this. And like when I and I would like to, you know, explain it in that way. And there are lovely photos from our photographer of him like being moved by this with my sister-in-law who guided him through like each table Aww. because um, he didn't see me till I came down the aisle. But that was how the venue was decorated for us. That's adorable. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the history of Savage Mill in Savage, Maryland. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty interesting. So the Savage Mill was built in 1816, and the complex was started in early 1822. It was named after John Savage of Philadelphia, who loaned some of the money for the project. Typical for the time, entire families worked at the mill. Wow. Which is really, really sad. And they worked long hours and all around it was really tough on them. They usually worked six days a week, 10 hour shifts. And it seemed like the employees had access to a lot of things that they needed at the time, like where other employers probably wouldn't have for their employees, which I guess is kind of nice, but still awful. The company had a store for all of their necessities. The farm supplied fresh produce and I know you love this part. There was an ice plant that would give ice to their homes. You know, I love that. And there were various changes throughout many of the years. By the 1920s, the workers' homes had been connected to the mill's water system, and it was serviced by the mill's sewage system. They also received factory-generated electricity for their lights, and they built a community hall so that the employees could have a bowling alley and a free library. And something I found interesting is that today that library is still there and it's part of the Howard County library system. There were expansions made, including a new steam operated electric plant built over the river and a new weaving room of approximately 40,000 square feet was added to the mill. What a room. (laughs) (laughs) What a room. The mill was operated as a textile mill from 1822 to 1947. And during that time, there were several deaths that occurred at the mill. It also changed hands several times over the years. And one of the times, which I thought was just interesting to mention, was in the 40s. And it was purchased so that it could be changed into a year-round Christmas village. But it was sold shortly again after. When you guys come, we'll go up there. Because I actually just think it's like a cool little place to visit. It's going to be beautiful that time of year anyway, too. Because like, hopefully it'll be a little icy. So you can see like, there's like a little like stream next to it. But I know you love ice. I do. Ice scientist. (laughs) Ice scientist, baby. But it's a cool little spot. But like, you'll see how it absolutely looks like a place that could be a year-round Christmas village. (laughs) Yeah. When I was looking at pictures, I was like, it makes sense. But also that's my hell. Year-round Christmas village? No. (laughs) 
I barely could do it for a month, let alone people already doing Christmas stuff now. So finally, it was renovated in the 80s. And that's when artists and other small businesses began moving in. So the first time that I'd ever heard of it, my parents had kind of stumbled upon it. And they were like, have you ever been here? And I was like, no. And they were like, there are tons of artists just like who were like have their studios there. But what's neat is that you can like walk through and kind of like peek in as people are like working. Yeah. So you can watch people doing their, it's kind of like a zoo for artists, except they want to be there. And you can kind of like <laughs> peek in and watch people just like doing their thing. And like, I remember I was there one day just like staring at somebody paint for like five minutes. And like, they were just like doing their thing. I was probably creepy. Maybe they thought I was a ghost, but I was like, <laughs> wow. But they probably were used to it because there's like these massive windows. So you can like look in. Yeah. But it's just a really cool space because yeah. I've never seen anything quite like that. Because normally, you know, if there's a place that has a lot of artists that are, have their studios, they're not meant for people to just walk in and look at them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other people can come probably to buy art, but not to like just kind of poke around. Right. When I was looking at pictures of it, I think we have something similar. It wasn't like an old mill. I don't know what it used to be. But up north where you can like there's little itty bitty shops. But yeah, there's a bunch of artists and they... They have like their paintings and art and pictures, all kinds of stuff all over the walls, but you can watch them work too. Mm -hmm. But I don't know why I just remembered this. I think because you were saying you were creepy and watching someone work. But years ago, we went to a club, which is wild. I know. Uh Uh-oh. What kind of club did you go to where you're watching people, Amanda? No, no, no. (laughs) It was in downtown Phoenix. And it's just, I've never seen this before and I've never seen it since. They had like these giant cutouts in the wall. Like, so they had, like, kind of the main area where, like, the DJ was, but on the sides of the DJ were these giant wall cutouts, and it was almost like a giant shelf, think of, like, a big shelf, big enough for you to go into. Mm-hmm. And while the DJ is going with all their music, there were people painting just in the middle of this club at, you know, 1 a.m., and you just <laughs> watch this person paint, and then you could buy their art. What a literal fucking dream. That's what, like, not to watch the person paint, but to be the person who's like, yeah, I went to the club, but nobody asked me to dance and I didn't have to deal with drunk people. I was just like upstairs creating art. Like, I was present. But anyway, we're talking about Savage Savage Mill. So the village of Savage is made up of old Savage company houses, as well as newly developed homes or recently developed homes. The historic Savage Mill is on the National Register of Historic Places. And of course, with this much history, it's also super haunted. And you can even book some ghost tours there, which looked really exciting. They look neat, but they don't offer them all the time. So we haven't been yet. What? But I want to go to there, as you would say. So let's talk about the ghosts, as Amanda put in our outline. <laughs> I'm glad you said it the right way. Yeah, there are that many O's. It has to be ghosts. Uh, so many of the shopkeepers have had some ghostly run-ins. There is Michael from State Farm, and he said that he doesn't believe in ghosts, but he did have a very odd experience. So one day he came in early, before the mill opened to other people who didn't have spaces there, and he heard a voice from behind him call him by a nickname. But what's weird is that it was a nickname that was only used by his family, and he didn't see anyone. That's creepy. And even one of his clients said that they had had a similar experience, and other shopkeepers have had that same experience too. And I don't like that. That makes me nervous. The idea of like the spirit knowing something about you that is limited information. Personal. Yeah. Yeah. They followed you home. Yeah. And then 
there is like a boutique and she's a makeup artist and I think she might do hair too. But her boutique is called Faces by Brandy. And so Brandy has felt her head tapped various times when she's in one specific corner of her shop. Her clients have also told her that they felt a presence behind them while they were in the makeup chair. And a client has seen her doors like start to shake gently and then violently on its hinges. Don't like any of this at all. None of this. It's all it's all a hard no for me. And especially like, you know, like if she does makeup there and imagine like sitting in a chair and you have to like close your eyes for a while and you're like, there's weird stuff happening and I can't even watch for it. Yeah. But at least like, you know, there's a person there. Like if your eyes are shut, there's a person there who's like present, you know? Mm hmm. When I stay at a haunted hotel, the thing that I look forward to the least, like I'm excited to be there, you know, haunted stuff. Sleeping? No, not sleeping, actually. It's washing my face. Yeah. Getting like eye makeup off and having to close your eyes because I'm afraid I'm going to like open them and there will be someone behind me in that mirror. I will tell you that I will raise you this. Okay. First off, if you hear a weird sound, it is my cat snoring. But if he's not snoring, he is harassing me. But my least favorite time, when, when I'm showering, I rinse my face wash and my conditioner off at the same time. And that is my least favorite time because I feel the most vulnerable. Because if I open my eyes, I can't see because it's going to burn. Yeah. But I also, like, that's when spiders are going to fall down from the ceiling. Centipedes are going to jump on me. Murders are going to come into the house. Of course. All of the things. That's it. I'm with you. I'm. <laughs> it's the most vulnerable portion of our lives. Yep. <laughs> All right. So more mill stories. Hannah Everhart with Raven and Rose Studios believes that they may have a resident ghost. Hmm. And it's believed to be a little girl. And she does things like Lindsay describes what Marge does to her. And those are <laughs> hiding random objects. So Hannah and her coworkers have put something down and then they're unable to find them for a while. And then when they do find them, they're at the bottom of a purse or a trash can. Oh, don't like that. Especially the trash can part because <laughs> yeah. you're accidentally throwing things away. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I You've said Marge has moved things. So I was like, that's what came to mind. She generally puts things where she thinks they belong. And if she doesn't know where it goes, then it goes in our like TV media thing in our basement in, in like a very particular shelf. Like there's times when Ben's like, I cannot find it anywhere. And I'm like, did you look in the media console thing? It's been a while since it happened. So I'm thinking maybe she worked on her shit. <laughs> For those new to us, Marge is Lindsay's ghost. Oh, yeah. Marge is uh, the ghost of the woman who lived in our house before we lived here. She was a very peculiar lady, and she had a very clean house. And we have a house that looks like people live in it. And I would assume she did not like that. When we first moved in, I heard unexplained wailing from the back bedrooms, which was a fun time. Anywho. Sounds exciting. So Brandy, who I just talked about, also had a client mysteriously lose a bright colored eyeshadow after dropping it. Like they've never found it to this day from what I understand. And they believe it's because the little girl loves colors. Oh, also, she's turned off their coffee pot. So <laughs> in one of the interviews, she's like, we always make sure to greet her in the morning. So hopefully she'll let us have our coffee. Yeah, you gotta. It's fair. <laughs> She's also knocked a picture off the wall and moved it halfway across the room. She didn't like it there. She did not like it there. Yeah. I did see that the employees have given her some toys now. So she has a little wooden ox and like a smooth stone that they leave on a window ledge for her. 
as like an offering, hoping that that'll keep her busy. And I was trying to look up some information about who the little girl may be, and I found a couple different things. So one is there's a legend of a little girl who died while playing at the mill, and she is said to haunt a particular staircase and is a very playful spirit, and they call her Little Mary. And then there's another little girl named Frances Reilly, who was the daughter of the mill's last superintendent in the 40s. And I couldn't find out like how exactly she died, only that she loves to pull pranks. <laughs> and it's also said that she skips along the halls with the other young ghosts. Oh, that's sad. I think ghost children are like the saddest to me, especially when they're doing happy things. Not that you want them to be sad, but like a joyful ghost is to me kind of heartbreaking because it's almost like, do you know? Right, right. Some of the shop owners have seen people that mysteriously disappear shortly after they've seen them. And the stories are similar to how we discussed the woman in Jerome, where she was like cleaning, saw someone turn around and then the person was gone. So that sort of thing happening. Yeah, don't like it either. I've also seen some strange figures and photos that people have posted that they can't explain. There have also been EVPs taken at the location by many paranormal groups. But one that caught my attention was the group, the Spirit Gals. And they got one with footsteps and a female child crying, Ma, please come home. Oh, yeah. Another thing I saw was people have used spirit boxes there, too. And Maryland Paranormal Research has a YouTube video up of one of their recordings. And they ask what the first name of Miss King is. And we're going to talk about her in a moment. And you hear the spirit box say, Rebecca. I love spirit boxes. I have one and they're a good time. If you don't know what a spirit box is, it looks like a little handheld radio. I have a little red and black one and it sounds like radio frequencies and it goes through it really, really fast. And that allows the spirits to communicate. I wasn't 100% bought in when I first got mine, but after using it at the Queen Mary and something repeating itself where I'm like, how could you do that? I, I kind of believe in them now. That's very fair. That is very, very fair. So the person I just said, Rebecca, Rebecca King was a mill worker in the 1800s who died while carrying cotton spools and other supplies in the mill's tower. And what happened is she tripped and fell to her death. And I saw one video where someone was describing how she fell and then she like slammed her head and neck onto one of the walls in front of her and it broke her neck. Oh, gosh, that's terrible. Yeah, that that's awful. And so I'm wondering if like, Obviously, the person, when they're like, who's the name of Miss King? They said, Rebecca, maybe that was her. Mm -hmm. uh, I did see several places saying that several children attempted to slide down the banisters, but they'd fall and fall to their deaths. And sometimes it was three stories that they'd fall. Oh, my goodness. So I'm wondering if that's, yeah, one of the girls that haunts the staircase. But that's incredibly sad. Yeah. There's also a spirit known to trip people on their way out down the stairs when leaving. And it's always the same stair too. And a medium, I guess, was, I don't know if they were on a tour or just visiting. And they're like, oh, that's Ellen. Like gave the name Ellen. And she's like, I keep thinking of 1843. I looked for an Ellen in 1843. Couldn't find anything related to the mill. But she is believed to be about 12 years old. Again, also heartbreaking. I was watching an interview with the person that gives the ghost tours. I want to say his name's Marty. And he was talking about the particular stair and how they've had people come to look at it to see if maybe it's uneven or a different size or like that would explain why people are tripping. Yeah. And nothing's wrong with the stair. Oh, 
I do like that they check, though. I mean, also, like, liability-wise, like, if people keep falling, they're like, Ellen, can you please stop? Yeah. Because we're not trying to get sued. I also just wanted to note, like, if you haven't been to Historic Savage Mill, it is a cool place. There's a restaurant, I believe it was Ram's Head is there. And then there was also Bonaparte Cafe. I'm not sure if they're still there, but it was like a bakery that had delicious things. And then there's also an antique market. So there's like lots of cool old things you can look at. Haunted dolls. There are probably haunted dolls, but I actually got like this really cool vintage table from there that is gorgeous and I love it. And then obviously like our wedding venue is there, but they also have two different consignment stores where you can donate professional clothing to women who are getting back into the workforce after a period of a time away. And they also have a place where you can donate your wedding dress and they'll sell them for like a very discounted rate. That's really cool. And then they have like some, I want to think there's at least like an ice cream place and then a place where you can get like hot sandwiches. And there's like some funky furniture stores and there's a game store. So there's like a whole bunch of like cute little stores. There used to be a paper store. I'm not sure if it's still there, but it's a really fun place to visit. Oh, and also there's a zip line course. It's a Terrapin Adventures, I think is what it's called. Well, yeah, I looked at pictures and the place looks really fun. Like there's a bunch of stuff to do. The restaurants everyone was raving about. So, yeah. So, well, thanks for listening to our, we're titling this 11-11 Spooky Adventures because I love you. I love you, Spooky Adventures. But happy anniversary, Ben. Thanks for hanging out while I did a little bit of gushing. But we also told you about spooky places to everyone else. We all love ghosts. More ghosts. We want more ghosts intertwined with very mushy stories. (laughs) Totally fair. Totally fair. So we have two more episodes this year. Isn't that wild? That is wild to me. This year has gone by so fast. So some things to look forward to next year, because we're going to keep talking about these as it comes up. There is a case that we are planning on covering in depth because we have a lot of not publicly known information that's coming our way. We're being very tight-lipped about it until we're ready to talk because we're in the thousands of documents, yes? Thousands for the first set of documents, yes. For the first set of documents. Amanda bought a printer, a printer scanner, uh, so that she could send me copies as well so we can kind of like sift through these in our month Mm off-ish and continue working on that. We'll also next year have more Mothman episodes. If you haven't seen it on Instagram, I have a really cool Mothman and Loveland Frogman tattoo that I literally got yesterday that I'm obsessed about, which we'll post photos of. She's magnificent. I say she because she's a lady. She's a gal. She's a a fun-loving sparkle gal. (laughs) You'll see. If you haven't seen, you'll see. Yeah. Also, with uh, our time off, watch The Watcher because we're going to dive into the real story behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what, what else do we have? We, I feel like we have uh, a wrap-up to Texas Killing Fields in the beginning of the new year because we want to do an update on any of the unsolved cases and then finish up with cases from the 2000s, which there wasn't many, but kind of finish on that. Also, I went there. Yeah, Amanda went to there. Yeah, I went to there. So we have that next year. We have so much fun stuff happening next year, but that doesn't mean that we don't want your idea. So there's a spot on our website where you can enter your episode idea, you can pop it there, or you can send it literally in any form of communication and we'll be thrilled to have it. As I was talking, Harry agreed. I don't know if you heard his chortle, but (laughs) 2022 almost done. How did we get here? I don't know, but thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And with that, have a good weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes you, can begin to haunt the dump, guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Ooh.
Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you. (laughs) Do you eat bacon? Not really. Like, occasionally, but I don't prefer it. I don't really eat a lot of meat, though. That's fair. That's fair. It wasn't like, oh my god, meat. But then I was a vegetarian for eight years. And then when I came back to meat, then I was. Like I was, I like I used to have like a well done steak, and now I'm like medium rare, ten out of ten. That's where it's at. Yeah, this has been an odd house lately. Mike got a smoker, and Ooh. Then he got a second smoker. Oh, and now everything in the world has to be smoked. <laughs> I love this though. Yeah, I uh, I'm having to find other alternative meals because I don't want to eat that much meat. Do you like smoked foods though? Yeah, I mean, occasionally, I, I think it. He's just gone crazy. No, he's found a passion. (laughs) Let the man smoke some things. But you could have him smoke like cheeses for like grilled cheese and stuff like that. He has tried cheese and he ruined it. He's not there yet. I would feel like that would be really difficult, though. It was weird. It tasted weird. Yeah. But he's he's perfected because he's made it 300,000 times. (laughs) Pulled pork. Now he's like great at it. I love this. But now I hate pulled pork and I never want to eat it again. Oh, because he's made so much of it. You're like, I get that you're experimenting, but there's only so much of one thing Yes, I can eat. See, yes. meanwhile, I have my ADHD fixation meal and I'll eat that every day because I've literally had the same smoothie for the past like two months every single day. <laughs> Next time you guys come out, he will be so excited to smoke you everything. We are hosting Thanksgiving this year. Oh. And he already bought two turkeys. Oh, is he smoking the turkeys? Yes everyone's gonna he's gonna be like here is your smoked turkey your smoked smoked mashed potatoes your smoked cranberry sauce your smoked yams your smoked green beans my life now i do find that like i like smoked foods but i think that that has to be the strongest flavor in the meal because it will be like everything is going to taste smoked if it's sitting on a plate next to something smoked yeah I'm okay with that, but like I just have it in my brain. Ben's turkey, I don't know what he does to it other than like actually no, that's not true. So when he makes a turkey, it's very cute. It's just his roasting pan. He makes some type of stuff that goes on it and it drips off of it. But he bastes it like every half hour, right? But he he takes tinfoil and he makes what he calls a blanket and he tucks it in. And he's like, oh, so after he like bastes the turkey, he's like, gotta tuck it back in and like tucks his little blanket around it. It's silly, but it makes, it's a really good turkey. Where are the ghosts? There's no ghosts here. We're so confused. Like I was the kid that when, do you guys have skate lands near you? We used to, and I loved it. I wanted one near here because I wanted to be in the roller derby. Okay, put a pin in that because I have a comment. But I would go to like skate land with my friends because that was like the thing to do for a certain age group. And I would just like bring a sketchbook with me and sit and sketch in the back while everybody else was roller skating because I could not roller skate then and I cannot roller skate now. However, that did not stop me in my early 20s from trying to learn to skate for the sole purpose of joining roller derby because I had, in my opinion, was a really cool roller derby name, which was going to be Kamikazia. I mean, 10 out of 10. I was very excited. And then I, uh, I mean, I had like, <laughs> I had knee pads, a helmet and like wrist guards so I could like practice skating in Mount Vernon, by the way, that's where I was living. So I was like 22. And then I was walking in my own apartment and my second toe is longer than my first toe. 
and on my other toes. So I went to like walk up a weird step that I had and just my second toe hit it with the full force of my foot moving. And I chipped a part of my bone off. Oh. And I was like in pain for weeks and I stopped practicing my skating and soon gave up on that hobby that I had bought all the tools for because that's what I do. Can we revisit that when I move there, please? Oh my God, I'm 35. I, I am not... When I say I'm 35, I mean that I am more brittle now than I was then. And I was already too brittle. I'm not a sports person. I'm an arts person. <laughs> Look, I pre- I'll i go for a nice walk with you. I'll go lift weights at a gym. I don't want to play a sport. I'm going to hurt myself so badly. And I know I will. Then you'll win best injury for the year. Did yours have awards every year? Because <laughs> ours here did. I didn't go that frequently. And Amanda, the face that I gave to you when you said best injury of the year was like, you were literally insane. Ben has been trying to get me to play rugby for years. I think that I could probably be decent at it. Oh, no, he's insane. Look, as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) roller derby is kind of like rugby on wheels. Like, you can't be quite as violent. It's a cool sport on wheels, right? I was like, I will never choose, like winning getting the point getting the try over my own body injury right like in high school i was like maybe i'll play volleyball and then i saw like my classmates who had like floor burns and i was like oh see i'm not gonna throw my body onto the floor for a ball i'm just not gonna do it so like i will always choose not being injured and for that reason i would be bad at team sports i played tennis for a hot minute a treasure a delight if i were to break my hands i would be devastated Like, that would be, like, so soul-crushing for me. So nothing is worth me breaking my hands or fingers or chopping off my fingers. Also, why I won't ice skate, because I'm afraid of ice skates, because they will chop off my fingers. (laughs) (laughs) What a story. What a a journey we just went on, by the way. We've gone on a lot of tangents tonight. Did you have a roller derby name that you wanted? No, I never got that far. I'm not that clever. Oh, see, I started with the name and worked backwards. I mean, I can skate. I can rollerblade. I know they don't allow rollerblading, but I like rollerblading more. But I can skate. I love all of the outfits. I even had the team that I wanted to be on. I mean, the outfits are cool. Like, that's very fair. But it is an hour drive for me, and I hate driving. Look, you can use kamikaze. I'm not going to use it. I also <laughs> had, this was more when this was relevant at the time, but I had Hannah Monslamia. But actually, somebody already had that. That wasn't, a, like, I, I thought of it, but somebody else had also thought of it. But anyway, I, happy anniversary, Ben. 